Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? All right. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, we're so excited to have you with us. If you would join us today on Father's Day and for you guys watching online out there on this beautiful summer day that you would join us as well. We are finishing a series, as Pastor Keith said, called Pigs in Flight. And what we've been looking at over the past several weeks is how our God still does miracles in our lives today. And that we can trust God on every level. And today what I'm going to talk to you about is something that all dads take pride in and everybody struggles in. Did you catch that? What most dads take pride in, but everybody struggles in. You can go and turn your copy of God's Word to 1 Kings chapter 17 this morning. There was a, a story back in the Reformation uh, when Martin Luther helped, you know, get the Bible out to people with the Gutenberg Press, began to print the Bible in German. Um, and in that day and time, it was only in Latin. And only the Catholic priests could read the Bible. The people were never permitted, and most couldn't read and couldn't read Latin. And so the Reformation was amazing for two things. Number one, they told the Catholic Church that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. That's what the whole Christian belief is based on. That's why we're here today. The second thing was they got the Bible into the hands of lay people, those who weren't ministers. They could actually read the Bible themselves. But if you don't know this, they paid a very high price for it. Uh, they would... Uh, the guys who did this and led the Reformation, the ministers would be killed. And one guy named John Brintz, who uh, worked with Luther in this, was someone who was told like that day that Charles V's coming. He's bringing Spanish troops and he's going to kill you. And he was really worried. He got on his knees and he prayed. And he felt the Lord tell him, take a loaf of bread and go up to, this, to the town and you'll see a door open on a roof. Climb in there and stay there until I tell you to leave. So he climbs up there with a loaf of bread, not knowing how long it's going to take for this to go on. And lo and behold, every day a hen would fly up to that room and would lay an egg for him to get just enough food every day between the loaf of bread and the eggs that he survived for over two weeks. And then finally, he heard the townspeople cheering because the king and his troops had left. He saw God provide for him. That's one of the number one things that everybody struggles with is trusting God for provision when you don't see it. And really on Father's Day, how fitting is this? Because that's something that dads take pride in. Um, usually the number one question that dads or men ask other men is what do you do for a living, right? Because that's something that's important to men. But it's something that we struggle with. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know where you're at in your walk today. I don't know what you're struggling with. But maybe it's provision. And maybe you're having to believe for God to provide for you for something, and it's really tough, it's anxiety-producing, and it's something that you're struggling with. Can I tell you, you're not alone that so many of us struggle with this. I want us to look at a passage today as we look at a man named Elijah who struggled with the very same thing, but I love what happens. He sees God provide. Now, here's a little backdrop before we jump in. Uh, King Ahab had just taken over the northern kingdom of Israel. And so he's now the king, him and his wife Jezebel. You've probably heard those names before. They were extremely wicked. Matter of fact, they didn't love God or care for God at all. They loved to worship false gods. So here's what they did. They set up temples and altars for Baal. And Baal was what they called the sky god, the sun god and sky god. And at one point in time, and this time in Israel's history, it was so crucial because now there were more priests for Baal than there were for the one true living God. And 
that worship of the one true living God was almost just abolished in the northern kingdom of Israel. And so here's what God does. God sends this man named Elijah to go and confront Ahab and the false gods. I want you to look and see what happens here in 1 Kings 17. It says, Now Elijah, who is from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain the next few years until I give the word. Why was that so strategic? Why did God ask him to do that besides anything else? Because Elijah was saying, we're going to show you who's really in control of the rain. We're going to show you who's really in control of the skies. We're going to show you, because most have believed that the Lord had died or gone. He was no, nowhere around. We're going to show you that God is still in control at this point. We're going to take away where you're trusting false gods. You're trusting Baal, the sky god. So, says this, And the Lord said to Elijah, once he you know, laid this down to him, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Now to you and I, I mean, number one, it is gross like if a bird brought you food, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not big for eating food that comes from birds' mouths. Maybe you, you're, you, know, you have different standards of food than I do. So what happens for him is God says, I'll feed you with ravens. Why ravens? Ravens were considered unclean to the Jews ceremonially. If you touched a raven, then you had to go through this ritual before you could worship in the temple again. So to Elijah, this was like weird. You're going to feed me with ravens? Why ravens? Because ravens were something that was unexpected. He would have never expected ravens to bring him food, provision from unexpected places. It goes on to say this here. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him um, bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. And then watch this. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Elijah was also called to trust God at a level he had never trusted God before. Uh, the word there, Kareth, that brook, Kareth, means to cut off. And what happened to Elijah was God cut him off from every human provision resource that he could imagine. That he had to trust God and God alone during a great drought to bring him provision. God said, go to Kareth. There's something I learned early on in my life. I had, what I'm getting ready to tell you is not something that I just came up with. But I toured in a band, as I told you. I was young. I was 21 years old. I know I only look 26 now. Why are you laughing? It's not funny. Um, so, you know, I, I toured in a band. It was not a very glamorous band. It was one where at every stop we had to trust God that we would make enough money to get to the next stop because mom and dad were not giving me any money to travel across the nation and play punk rock music. <laughs> that was not in their financial plan. And I'll never forget what our record producer told us. He lived out in California. I was really worried. And he said, hey, you can write this down because here's what Elijah know, uh, knew. Here's what I found out and you're going to find out where God guides he provides. Say it one more time. Where God guides, He provides. Now, at 21 years old, I was like, yes, that's right. His name's Kendall. I was like, that's right, Kendall. Yeah, where God guides, He provides. We'll, we'll make it out there to California. Now, being 42, I've been like, hey, Kendall, that's exactly right. Now, can you send us a check to give us some gas money to get out there? <laughs> that's what I would have done in my older years now. I would have done that. But it's something that I did learn early on as a believer. God sending me from place to place 
just trusting. We didn't make much money. We were sometimes hoping enough people came to the door that we could make gas money for the that wherever God guides you, He will provide. And matter of fact, I want you to understand this because so many of us struggle with this need for provision, and it's something, whatever it is for you, it's all different in this place. But the number one and two things that men said they're scared of, scared of losing, which, you know, family's always up there, right? But for men, this is really high up there, was their job and their financial security. Two top needs of men. And can I just be honest? It's probably true for everybody in here. And that we all struggle with that. And there's an anxiety that comes when you feel like you don't have what you need or you feel like, man, I, I need this provision for this because you just can't make it happen. You're like helpless. Like you just can't conjure up money, right? You can't conjure up resources. You have to really trust. So can I just tell you this today as we kick this message off and write this down? God wants to do the heavy lifting for what's heavy on your heart. God wants to do the heavy lifting for what's heavy on your heart. What's heavy on your heart today? What is it? God doesn't want you to bear that alone. God doesn't want you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and prove how strong you are. He wants to do the heavy lifting for you. Matter of fact, the Apostle Peter said this. He wrote to a group of believers who were losing their lives in the first century, early first century. And Nero and all his guys had come about, and they were just martyring Christians left and right for their faith. And see, so if you ever count what's heavy in your heart and count there, they, they probably had a little, little tougher situation, but here's what he wrote to them, and it applies to all of us. He said, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. See, God cares about what you're concerned about. And there's things that give us sleepless nights, and we think we're just carrying this thing all alone. And on Father's Day, I want to instill into you that I don't know, like my father's not here anymore. He's been gone for several years. But here's what I've learned in my life, that my heavenly father is a much better father than my earthly father ever could have been. And he cares more about me than even my earthly father could have cared. And every time I go into those places where I'm worried and I'm scared and I'm afraid, I can trust that God wants to do the heavy lifting for me. He wants to take those burdens off my shoulders. He doesn't want me to carry those alone because he is my good father. Now, there's times in your life you're going to experience that you need God's provision. And maybe you have experienced it, maybe you are experiencing it, and if you haven't, get ready because you will. And, and one of the, the seasons that happens to us is this, is that we just don't have it. Have you been to a season in your life you just didn't have it? And you needed it. Like when my wife and I were in college and even after college, early years of ministry, if you looked at our bank statement, it looked like the Gospels. What do you mean? It's all in red. <laughs> You're like, man, the blood of Jesus all over this, right? No, it means we didn't have, didn't have the money. And we had to trust God for it. That's what happened to Elijah. God sent him to a place where he had no fishing pole. He had no net. He had no, no way to, to kill animals. He had to truly just trust his father for provision. The second season we go into sometimes and things we face, we need provision, it's taken away from us. And some of you experienced that during this pandemic. Your job was just taken away from you. And all that is for you, but it feels like life is unfair to you. Why was that taken from me? Well, can I tell you this? I want to encourage you. Man is not in control of your life. A boss can hire and fire you, but everybody's boss has a boss, and he, he is our God, and he's in control of your situation. And you may feel like it's unfair, but can I tell you something? Our God is just, 
And I don't care what man has done to you, God will continue to provide. Instead, it happened to Elijah. He had this food coming all the time to him, morning and evening. He was just enjoying the bread and the meat. And then what happens? The brook dried up suddenly. It was taken away from him. I'm sure Elijah was worried again. What do I do? God had another place he wanted to send him. If you turn to the next chapter, and you can read this this week, he was called to go to a widow at Zarephath. That was the next place God guided and then wanted to provide. And so, which gets to the third season you enter in, it's when God asks us to give it. There's seasons when we need provision, and then God asks us to give it. What happened to the widow at Zarephath? He gets there to this widow. She has a son, and she says, hey, Elijah, I'm glad you've shown up here, but you're at the wrong house, bro, because I got enough food for me and my son, and if you didn't go through Jewish math school, that's two, not three. Somebody's left out, and it ain't going to be me or him. And Elijah said, the Lord told me to tell you to give that to me. It's going to multiply. She's like, yeah, sure, I've seen you on TV before. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what does she do? She trusted God to give it. And when she did, God multiplied everything that she had. And there's times when God will do that. You know, I'll just never forget when uh, I was, uh, my wife and I were in ministry early on, and um, it was a really tough season for us. And we had an insurance check come in for $500. Now, when you're early on in life, like, that, start, now that's, that might as well have been $5,000. And we didn't expect it. And I was like, yeah, because we needed some help. And that came in, and I felt the Lord tell me, you've got to give that. I had a friend who was planting a church in Colorado, and they were so poor that they were watering down their milk to just feed their children because they could not have provision. And I'll never forget when God asked me to send that. And it hurt deeply because I just, we needed it, right? And I sent that to this guy. And his wife cried and said, we've been praying for God to provide daily bread for us, for our children that we have to water. She says, and she cried and said, thank you so much for that. And can I tell you something? When God asks you to give it, I'm going to tell you, I look at my life now, and I don't know how in the world we got from there to, to here. But can I tell you when I think, man, I don't deserve it. I shouldn't be where I'm at in life today. And I look back and realize that God will multiply. He will provide more than you could ever imagine because he loves to see you trust him. So he, here's kind of the fear, though. Like today, if you, you know, kind of lean back or you think about your Father's Day meal tonight, which are mostly the family thinking about it because the dad's going to be cooking. <laughs> on Mother's Day, we take Mama out, and then on Father's Day, we've got to cook. Yeah, I see how it is. But here's my fear today that if we miss this, what's going to happen? If we miss it, we will always think of God providing as the backup plan. Initially, when you need provision, you think, well, what if I do this? Or maybe I could do that. Well, what if I did this? And planning's not wrong, but here's what we do. We have prayer as the backup option. We have trusting God as the backup instead of the primary option, right? That we think, what if, like, what if I could just, con you know, just, just make this thing happen, get this extra stuff and do this and do that, instead of, first of all, falling to our knees and trusting our Heavenly Father, saying, Father, I don't know where it's going to come from, but if you fed Elijah with ravens, from unexpected places, I know you can feed me and my family and you can help me as well. And I don't want you to miss that. I, I almost missed it. You know, March 1st, 2020, we all remember that whole week, right, and what happened. Well, what you don't know, and some of you may not know, some of you do know this, is that this month, nine years ago, my wife and I moved to Virginia, to Richmond. 
We sat with 20 mostly senior citizens in this sanctuary, and we moved here with total trust of God. That the church only had enough money to make it for about two months. It didn't look hopeful, but there were hopeful people here. And we came and we believed God. And man, what God has done at this church, I just, that's why I love just being out front and seeing everybody. I truly love what God has done at this church. And then eight years later, March 1st, 99, we are hitting the highest numbers we'd ever hit at this campus and at Richmond. And we were looking at adding services. Like we were like adding more services. Like we were like, man, what are we going to do? And then the pandemic hit. And nobody in ministry had ever dealt with it. Not just in the world, but in church life, nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> like, if anybody told you, they were lying to you. And we were scared to death because we went from on, good to all virtual. We didn't even have this stuff, all this stuff here and there. We didn't know what to do. And then we had to start trying to reopen safely and keep people safe. And we only had maybe probably 25% of our volunteers showing back up. And we still had to try to figure out how are we going to make this thing work. And can I tell you? It really, really began to, to eat at me. It was heavy on my heart. I'd watched our church just get decimated through a pandemic. And I was wondering, I was like, man, we worked our tails off for eight years. The stories of how hard we've worked. Like we have this saying in church world about pastors, some of the trust fund kids. You know what I mean? We do. And, 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 and I'll tell a guy that's, oh, man, come on, dude, you're a trust fund kid. It means they walked into a church with a big salary and everything, and they just went, and God has just never done that. He's always just like said, hey, man, I'm going to make it hurt to the point you got to trust me. And we had just gotten to this point. It's like, man, we're going to add services. This is, this is crazy. We may break just 1,000 this year between both campuses. This is going to be awesome. And all of a sudden, boom, pandemic hit. And friends, can I tell you, I was trying to figure out and strategize how in the world to do all this. Now, did I make a plan? I did. But I'll tell you what we did as a staff. I said, we're going to pray. And once a month, what we do is we put a whiteboard right up here, and we play worship music, and we get in here and we write down our needs for this church and for our ministries. They write down what is heavy on their heart. Like we need production members. We have very little parking lot team members. We have this. And can I tell you, we just trust God to provide. And here's the beautiful thing about the pandemic. It increased our faith. To not only believe that and thank God that he did it, but now we're at a place that, God, if you did it before, you can do it again, and it will even be even better because we can trust you with that. And what I have loved is if you have come into our church during this pandemic at some point, number one, if you've hung in there with us like a hair in a biscuit, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Don't you love now, There's no hairs in those biscuits, but I just, yeah, you know. But number two, if you come in during the pandemic, we prayed you in here. You were a direct answer to prayer. Because we needed people in certain positions, in certain places, and we had no idea where they would come from. But I sat many times at the back of that sanctuary, and what I'm preaching to you today is not just a sermon to give you something good on Father's Day. I've sat in the back of that sanctuary during our prayer time and said, God, if you fed Elijah with ravens, you can provide for this church from unexpected places. And friends, I want you to leave today with that same amount of trust with God. No matter if it was taken away from you, no matter if you just didn't have it or if you had to give it, God wants to provide. But here's what I'm doing right now. Here's what you're going to need to do and write this down. Trust God, especially when you don't see it. Let me explain that. Now, trust God when you don't see it. 
Because many times we want God to front us a little, little bit first, and then we can trust him. It's like, God, I really want to trust you with this, but just kind of show me where it's going to come from first, right? Like, like, like you know, I, I, need, I need this amount of money. Can you just send a little bit first, and then, then I'll trust you? And that's not how God works. It takes trust in him when you don't see it at all. And what we're going to look at here the next few minutes is a man named Abraham. And some of you have heard of him. He has a son named Isaac. I'm going to draw your attention to Genesis 22 this morning because Abraham was asked as a father to do the hardest thing that a dad could ever do, and that was to sacrifice his son. Like, that's, that's something, can I just be honest with you? If God asked me to sacrifice my six-year-old son, who I love more than anything on this planet, I would be like, time out, I'm done, God. Find you another Abraham to be in the Bible. We're going to go hiking mountains, but it ain't going to be this mountain here to sacrifice him. Find somebody else. I'm just being honest, right? But Abraham has this faith that he just trusted God with this. And what I love about Genesis 22, you may not know this, but it's the first time that love is ever mentioned in the Bible. And the love that is shown is the love between a father and a son. There's so much of the gospel right in there between a father and a son. That's the first time love is mentioned. And what God does is God wants to not just reveal Abraham's faith, but he wants to test his faith to see where is it at. Look at Genesis 22. The writer records this, and it says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We had the fire and the wood the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? He was pretty observant. <laughs> so wait a minute, we, we, we've done this burnt offering thing before, and we had, a, we, we, we had some animals. Where, where are they at? But look at what Abraham says to him. Look at the amount of trust. He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, this is it right here, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. And you have not withheld even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use the name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, Abraham knew something about trust that maybe many of us don't know in here today. He trusted that God would provide even when he didn't see it up front. He blindly trusted God. When I say blindly, that was not in a naive way. He trusted God on a level he never had before. And here's where Abraham got to. Remember in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation like, I'm going to make, that's where the Israelites came from. I'm going to make you have sons and daughters and like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. To that point, Abraham had trusted the promiser. 
excuse me, the promises. He had trusted the promises, but he had never trusted the promisor before. There's a, there's a point in time that you just stop just, just reading the Bible and you start believing the God of the Bible and you start trusting him. But here's what Abraham knew. I'm going to leave you with two thoughts. If that's okay, can I leave you with two thoughts this morning about this? If you say no, I'm still going to do it because i got a microphone. <laughs> but the first one is this. Worry is the greatest warrior of provision. Worry is the greatest warrior of provision. Now, here's what happened to me while I was practicing this. I wanted to say, like, don't be a warrior, be a warrior. And I kept saying warrior, 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 warrior. Those words are weird, right? That's what I do in my practice time is a, with sermons. I just sit in a room and I pray, and then I get to points like that. I'm like, warrior, warrior. And I didn't want to mess those two words up because I have a southern accent, so they both sounded the same when I said it. But I digress. Worry is the greatest weapon of provision because you are worried that it's not going to happen, that God will not come through. And that's what the enemy of your souls wants you to think. Abraham didn't worry. It says in that passage that he actually got up early. He was ready. He split the wood. They had servants that traveled with them. The servants didn't do any of it. Abraham said, I got it. I'm going to split the wood. I'm going to sharpen the knife. I got it myself. We're getting up early. He didn't worry. And what did Jesus say? Jesus had these, these people listen to him who were really worried about provision in their day and time. You know what Jesus said to them? Just don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Like your father already knows what you need. And he's going to provide for you. Look at the, the flowers. As you drive, you see, every time you see a flower, this should click in your mind. They do nothing except receive what their heavenly father has given them, right? Sunlight and rain and water, wind, everything they need. He said, look at the sparrows. How hard do they like plan out and strategize? Do they worry about food? No. God provides. God provides. In the same way, your Heavenly Father will provide for you. Worry is the greatest warrior of provision. But here's what Abraham understood. And I'm going to leave you this thought today on Father's Day. Worship is the greatest weapon of provision. Worship. Remember I told you we sit that whiteboard down right here? and We write that stuff on there and then we worship and we pray. That's the greatest weapon that I have. Because when I know when I pray, it brings a smile to my Heavenly Father's heart to say, God, I trust you that you can make it happen. So next time you're worried about provision, just pause and say, I got two options. I'm going to worry or I'm going to worship. But I can't do both at the same time. But what is it on Father's Day? Today, God, God brought you here divinely. If you're watching online, you're not watching by accident. God brought you here today. What are you so worried about? Sleepless nights. What is it? Because God has a message for you. He wants to do that heavy lifting. And he's going to show up in a way that you only know it's him. So your faith will be proven, it will be tested, and you can tell others about the goodness of your heavenly Father. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for being a provider for us, Lord. My greatest regret, Father, is I've not trusted you enough, that I've worried and then you've provided. And then, Father, I've had to come to you and say I'm sorry. May today we all trust you on the front end. 
And then when you give us that beautiful thing, the job, the resources, the provision, Lord, a spouse, whatever it is, our children coming to know you and to faith, whatever it is, Lord, when those things happen, I pray, Lord, that we could celebrate your goodness. And God, I just pray for everybody in here today, those that are watching online, that are struggling with provision. They have a need. God, show up in a way they only know it's you. Please. And give us faith to trust you. Give us the faith to trust you, God. And we believe that you'll do it. You are a trustworthy Heavenly Father. Thank you for that, Lord. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, some of you in here today need to trust God with salvation. You've never given your life to Christ. But you're not serving your Heavenly Father. You're not in relationship with your Heavenly Father. And on Father's Day, how fitting to come back in a relationship with your Heavenly Father. If that's you, maybe you walked away from a bad version of Christianity. Maybe you were hurt by church or by people. Or maybe the first time ever you want to give your life to Christ. I don't know who you are today or where you're at, but today is your day. Right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith. If you're watching online, make this confession of faith wherever you're sitting. It's this. It's simple. It's saying, God, I admit that I cannot save myself. I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus died on the cross, and I believe he rose again on the third day to save us from our sins. Today, God, forgive me of all my sins. Today, God, I turn from my old life, I turn from my old ways. I receive this beautiful new life that you give through Christ. Now, God, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you, Lord. I love you. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray.